This week, we are bringing you a story unlike any other that we have done yet. It's unraveling before us as the most recent developments span between 2018 and now. And it pertains to people you literally grew up hearing about. This is the mysterious accidental drowning of Natalie Wood. We're your hosts, Sherry Ferreira and Helen Allen. This is the Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. Natalie Wood, if you're an uncultured swine and don't know, is an American legend. She grew up raised by two Russian immigrant parents, and as Google would have it, she lived out the American dream. Don't you hate when people only attribute the American dream to fame? No, fully, because I mean, like, my parents didn't speak a lick of English, came to this country, bought a house, and paid it off ASAP. And that is the American dream. I promise you, like, no one is escaping their countries expecting fame. They just want the zip code at they this point. They literally just want the zip code. Yeah. I hear you. Like, <laughs> I know. My mom is also an immigrant. And I just, like, really resonate with the fact that saying, like, quote, unquote, the American dream is so cringe. Like, she's always said, like, being on American soil and experiencing freedom is the American dream. But... You know, when the news hears something remotely heartwarming, they run with it. So for argument's sake, Natalie Wood gave her mother the American dream. But also, Natalie didn't give it to her mom. Her mom took it. Oh, fully snatched that away from her. She snatched the American dream. She was having her audition left and right with the determination that she would become, like, the breadwinner of the family at a very young age. She did. Um, She starred in, like, Miracle on 34th Street as just an eight-year-old. And by the time that she was a teenager, she had already been nominated for three Academy Awards. Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, she's a name. She starred in, like you said, Miracle on 34th Street, Rebel Without a Cause, West Side Story, Gypsy, and Brainstorm. And Brainstorm would unfortunately be the last movie that she would work on in her career. She starred in this movie with none other than Christopher Walken. Matt says I can't say that the only reason I know Christopher Walken is because he's the dad in Hairspray. But you know what? I'm going to say it because that's what I know him from. But he also wants me to make it clear that Christopher Walken is famous otherwise. You guys get it. You Like, you've heard of him. Um, I also asked Matt to do his Christopher Walken impression on the air, but he declined to comment. So <laughs> you'll have to reach out to him personally for that one. No, yeah, totally. But she was very good at acting to the point where people called her one take Natalie because she would memorize all her lines and everyone else's too. She also dated very notable people like, hold for a pause, Elvis Presley. But she went on to marry Robert Wagner, which I'm not saying is a downgrade, but I'm saying it's a downgrade. Mm -hmm. One Google (laughs) image search will make you agree. Trust me. Robert Wagner, if you're not familiar, was the star of a hit show, Heart to Heart, and was 26 when he married 18-year-old Natalie. But they actually divorced in 1961, and she remarried, had a child, and then they got remarried again in 1972. Wait, her and Robert Yeah, Like, she fully left him for another man and then got back with him. Yeah, it's a little crazy, but who who am I to judge, really? (laughs) No, I'm a little bit judging. (laughs) 
I mean, like, I am not against divorce by any means. Obviously, you do you. And if a relationship is toxic, run for the hills. But then don't run back. Like, why did you divorce in the first place? I mean, it's not my place to know. Like, Natalie, you don't have to tell me your dirty laundry. (laughs) It's not like, though, when you're dating and you could just break up and get back together. Like, nobody goes through a divorce just, like, to make a point. You know what I'm saying? Like, why'd she divorce him? I know. And why'd she get back with him? <laughs> but, actually, alleged... Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my phone rang. But, <laughs> allegedly, she was flirty with Christopher Walken and people on set of the movie, including the first assistant director of Brainstorm, said that people thought they may have been dating. Not because of any evidence, except for, like, the chemistry they had. Right, so... At this point, let's just get into the night in question. November 28th, 1981. It's like a little after Thanksgiving and Natalie and Wagner begin planning a trip to Catalina Island, something that they kind of did often. And they invited multiple people, but most people actually declined. And they said it was just because like there was less than ideal like sailing weather that weekend. I know it was like rainy and so they just kind of didn't want to go really. And Christopher Walken was the only one who said yes. And, like, mind you, it's not like he's not some some freak that just wanted to go when no one else did. <laughs> he's just not from L.A. So, like, he probably didn't have family or, like, maybe tons and tons of friends at this time. Um, so he was just, like, excited to get away for a weekend with them. So it ended up being Natalie Wagner, Christopher Walken, and the captain of the yacht, um, who is Davern. We're going to call him. I think it's Dennis yeah. Davern. So we're going to call him Davern. Um, so Davern said that Wood, uh, Natalie Wood and Walken would spend hours at a, Ca- a Catalina Island bar before Wagner showed up. And he was allegedly furious when he showed up. So evidently they decided to stay for the rest of the weekend. Um, Christopher Walken also decided to stay. So then they all ended up going to dinner at Doug's Harbor Reef. Allegedly at dinner, they consumed two bottles of wine, two bottles of champagne, and cocktails. Some sources said daiquiris, some just said cocktails, and I know it doesn't matter to know, but it does to me, okay? Um, Don Whiting, the night manager of the restaurant, later said that he was too worried about everyone being too drunk. Um, Natalie apparently didn't eat much for dinner and was like stumbling and not in a good mood. It was also noted that she drunkenly threw a glass on the floor, but Christopher Walken later comes out and is like, no, no, no. Like she just did that because I made a toast and I did it after the toast. And I guess like she was just like following suit. Um, anyway, so the night manager didn't think that they could get back safely. So he asked Kurt Craig, of the Harbor Patrol to make sure that they got back safely after they left the restaurant at 10.30 p.m. The toxicology report says that Natalie's blood alcohol content was 0.14, which is a lot. Like, that's pretty yeah. high. 0.08 is, like, normal a in, in, in a sense of, like, oh, you've been drinking. And so, like, 0.14 is, like, oh, you've been drinking. drinking. <laughs> You know, yeah. so um, 
Wagner says, according to an HBO documentary, that him and Christopher Walken had a heated conversation after dinner, but Natalie was just like somewhere else on the yacht, I guess. That's what one source says. Another source says that she was just like keeping quiet during this. I don't know. It's a little bit vague and, you know, people's stories tended to change over time. So there's not exactly one rendition of the night, if you will. But anyway, so at 11.05 p.m., Wagner realized that Natalie was missing by this point and begins looking for her. He then realized that the dinghy was also gone. That's like that little boat that you take like from the yacht to the shore. Um, And also like I want to note that he says she had like retired to bed earlier, like about 30 minutes after they got back from dinner. Um, And then she was in the room and he went to go kiss her goodnight and that is when he discovered that she wasn't there. So that is his, like, timeline. Account, yeah. So this brings us to November 29th, the next day. At 1.30 a.m., a ship-to-shore call was made, and two hours later, the Coast Guard was finally called. The investigators took a particular interest in this part of the timeline. At 7.30 a.m., Natalie's body was found floating face down about 200 yards off the Catalina Island and a mile away from the Splendor, which is the name of the yacht she was on. She was only 43 years old and was wearing a flannel nightgown, blue wool socks, and a red down jacket. Which, before we go into anything more, I do think it's like... Because, like, obviously you said, like, the investigators took a particular interest in this part of the timeline. It's crazy that, like... They didn't call the Coast Guard. Like, clearly they knew she was missing by 1.30, but they didn't call the Coast Guard until two hours later. Like, what the hell were they doing? Sketchy. Yeah. Like, what were you doing for those two hours? What was happening in two hours? I can't imagine a loved one of mine being missing and for two hours me just being like, like, what am I doing in two hours that I'm not calling for, like, the highest level of help? Also, you're on a yacht. I can't imagine it takes that much time to look around and you're in the middle of the water. So what's your excuse? It's like... Even in a house, you don't have an excuse. But yeah. on a yacht, it's even like, I mean, I guess what? it's not always smaller. But yeah. like, it's, I mean, there's how many places are there to yeah. look? For a human? For, not yeah. that many. Please. Anyway, it's November 30th. An autopsy was done by Dr. Joseph Choi, a deputy medical examiner. He noted her blood alcohol levels were high, bruises were on her arms, legs, and face. He thought they were to be consistent with the fall from the boat as she was trying to board the dinghy, so he ruled her death as an accident. And I think, like, it's kind of important to note that Christopher Walken, like, what Christopher Walken's take in all of this is, um, so I'm going to read a quote directly from him. Quote, Anybody there saw the logistics of the boat, the night, where we were, that it was raining, and would know exactly what happened. You hear about things happening to people. They slip in a bathtub, fall down the stairs, step off the curb in London, because they think that the cars come the other way. And they die. You feel you want to die making an effort at something. You don't want to die in some unnecessary way. What happened that night, only she knows, because she was alone. She had gone to bed before us, and her room was at the back. A dinghy was bouncing against the side of the boat, and I think she went out to move it. There was a ski ramp that was partially in the water. It was slippery. I had walked on it myself. She had told me she couldn't swim. In fact, 
They had to cut a swimming scene from Brainstorm. She was probably half asleep, and she was wearing a coat. To which I think, ugh, I don't know. We'll get into this much more later, but I don't know. I am just so worked out about Natalie's death. I just need someone to go down for it, <laughs> in a way. Like, I'm just like, mm I know this is exactly what Christopher Walken is afraid of. Like, someone like me being like, no, someone's got to go down yeah. for it. But even if it's natural causes, like, I will sue God. <laughs> Not only for emotional damages, but for murder. Yeah, like, okay. God, I'll see you in the Supreme Court. <laughs> I don't. I just need answers. I will go to those lengths. I need answers for Natalie's death. For real. But here's some solid hope for the closure that we are looking for. 30 years after her death on November 17, 2011, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department reopened their investigation after receiving additional information from unidentified sources who contacted the authorities. Like, who are these sources i know like i need the information i know i'm just a nobody with a podcast but i need the information (laughs) deliver it to my address immediately um on november 18th right after that in an interview with nbc today davern the captain of the the yacht admits that he lied about wood's death when he was initially questioned he also claimed that Wagner was actually responsible for the tragedy, to which he like wouldn't go into extensive depth about why he thought that, but he definitely said that he thought that. Yeah. And on January 14, 2013, investigators determined the bruises were sustained before she drowned. So this led to L.A. County Sheriff's Department changing Wood's cause of death to drowning and other undetermined factors. Right, and so then, on February 1st, 2018, L.A. County Sheriff's Department Lieutenant John Carina sat down with CBS News' 48 Hours and disclosed that Wagner is officially named a person of interest. Which, it kind of feels like they know more than what we're, they're telling us, obviously, but right. it is, we're finally getting a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. In 2019, the case was referred to as open and ongoing, and that nothing definitive has closed it. In a 2020 documentary called Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind, Natalie's daughter, Natasha Gregson Wagner, from her second marriage, confronts Wagner about speculation of him having something to do with Wood's death. He denied the accusations, and she basically agrees that she doesn't believe that he had anything to do with her mom's death anyway. So here's why we think this is all a little bit sketchy. And why we think that there's just, like, more to do with all this than we really know. When Natalie was little, her mother took her to a fortune teller. And before you roll your eyes, just listen. (laughs) This fortune teller told her mother that Natalie would be very pretty and, like, yada, yada, yada. But also (laughs) that she should, quote, beware of dark waters. From that point on, Natalie was incredibly afraid of the water. Even creepier, there is literally an instance after that when she was 10 years old and on set for a movie, a bridge was rigged to collapse for the film, and her mom literally assures her that it's entirely safe. But when she did go to do the scene, it collapsed and threw her into the water, and she ended up breaking her wrist. Because of these instances, she had such a phobia of water that she was afraid to wash her hair and had these reoccurring nightmares about drowning. 
So are we to believe that Natalie got on the dinghy alone? Are we to believe that a woman with a publicist and tons of people telling her how to behave in Hollywood since she was a little girl would just drunkenly put on this big jacket over a (laughs) nightgown and socks and just get into the water to face her deepest, darkest fears and make a fool of herself in the process if she doesn't pass? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not an expert on drunken behavior. And I know people do things differently when they're drunk versus sober. But I know for a fact that you don't suddenly have no fears whatsoever when you are drunk. Like, mind you, she is in her 40s. So it's not like some woman who's getting drunk and crazy for the first time ever. I just like, I have heard like so many stories of people like doing crazy things. But like, of course, they have a past or like doing crazy things. But oh, it was the first time they got drunk and like all that stuff. Like, there's never like, oh, my gosh, like she's drank like time and time again in her life. And then suddenly, yeah. like, there's no, I just have a hard time believing that she is the type to behave so wildly different when she's drunk like this, when there's no evidence of her ever doing it before this night. Right. Another thing worth noting is that witnesses who are at a nearby boat say they heard someone screaming, help me, someone please help me. And they were like, far off enough that they didn't think much of it because they thought it was a party and people just being rowdy and crazy. But they also say that they saw it was coming from the stern of the bow and that someone said in a mocking tone, okay, honey, we'll get you. Like, how are you so far away that you can't see it's literally less than five people, but you're also so close that you can hear tone and pinpoint the exact location on the boat that it came from? No, like I want, like, you know how they do like, oh, like. Here's the witness testimony, and they'll and they'll play back how the way it happened. I want yeah. those people to sit down and say to me <laughs> what they heard and what the mocking tone was when they said, "Okay, honey, we'll get you." You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, honey, we'll get you. Like role play, <laughs> or was it like, "Okay, honey, we'll get you. You're gonna drown, though." Like, what was the mo- mocking tone? Like, what was it? Yeah, I'm just wondering. I for these people to claim that it was such a mocking tone, but they didn't know it wasn't a banger over there, a, p- a big party. I like just, what? It's unbelievable, really. It's like when ridiculous. we talk about unreliable witnesses, like these are the first on my list. <laughs> I hate to say it. Don't come for me. No. But I don't believe it. I don't trust no. it. I mean, I do believe it. There's nothing else for me to believe here, really. But I just question it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it's also said that Wagner and Christopher Walken got into a fight that night. Um, reports say that a nonviolent argument before Natalie disappeared broke out. Um, and Wagner says that he and Walken did have like a political debate that continued aboard the yacht he literally says like there was no fight and no anger supposedly natalie was there like this is kind of the fight that we were talking about a little bit earlier and natalie was supposedly there and then just like retired to her room after a half hour of this um (laughs) wagner would go in later to kiss her goodnight and then find that she was gone but according to davern the captain of the yacht, who I do also have to know is sketchy when it comes to being a witness. During his this fight with Walken, um, Wagner smashed a wine bottle over a table and yelled, Jesus Christ, what are you trying to do, my wife? Wagner only admitted to this 
30 years later in his autobiography. Yeah, you can add him to that sketchy witness list of yours, because let me tell you, on top of this, Robert Wagner said in a 1986 biography, it was only after he was told about her dressing that it dawned on him what happened. He says, and I quote, Natalie obviously had trouble with that dinghy slamming up against the boat. It happened many times before, and I had always gone out and pulled the ropes tighter to keep the dinghy flush against the yacht. She probably skidded on one of the steps after untying the ropes. Mm-mm. Steps. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, he goes on to say that steps are as slick as ice because of the algae and seaweed that's always clinging to them. After slipping on the steps, she hit her head against the boat. I only hope she was unconscious when she hit the water. And to me, this sounds just like a man who was caught. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, you guys are on to me. Let me place myself in that exact location so you can't find any evidence and I can just back it all up. Right, like you if know? you do find evidence, like, oh, but guys, I was there. That's why there's evidence. Like, yeah, you know? <laughs> he's fully trying to cover his tracks. Yeah, no, right. And the fact that the dinghy is like this pretty light rubber boat. It's inflatable. Like, it's literally it's rubber. Inflatable. So like banging up against a very hefty yacht, like I, I don't know. Natalie was so drunk and passed out. So like, I don't know how good of a sleeper she is, of course, but I know drunk girl is not worried about a tiny little tapping sound when she's out cold. So like to me, it just says that that's not the case here. On top of that, the ladder leading to the dinghy had algae that was untouched. So how could a girl that was this drunk make no marks when she's climbing down this boat? It's like impossible. to this boat. If she was drunk enough to drown, then she was definitely not sober enough to just like tip down tiptoe down this ladder without leaving a trace, you know? Yeah. Like, it's no, fully. All I know is that whatever happened, it was sus as hell. Like for starters, if there was no trace of anyone going down that ladder, either she was thrown off a yacht or fell or jumped onto the exact spot where the dinghy was. And mm-hmm. all of those just sound almost impossible to happen. No, yeah. Like, if she did jump, why would she jump off the edge if she wasn't in imminent danger? Like, and, why, and what would have scared her so bad that she would rather face her death like her bit, I mean, her biggest fear of dying in the water versus like being on that yacht still. Yeah, she chose the lesser right. of the two. Which, so what was up there, you know? <laughs> Either scenario points to her being in immediate danger so bad that she would dive headfirst into one of her worst fears. That's what mm-hmm. makes sense to me. It just feels like everyone on that yacht knows more than what they're telling. I know that sounds like a total cliche, but it seems impossible that all three men were there that night and are just like, I don't know, and then mm-hmm. be so unclear about recounting the events of that night. No, yeah. It's definitely sketchy. Mm-hmm. It was also noted that Wagner was jealous of Walken and very on edge about his relationship with Natalie. Even Davern, the captain, said Wagner had become infatuated with her during filming because she wasn't spending enough time with her family i.e. her daughter. Davern also eventually comes out saying that he does think that Wagner had something to do with it because he has brought Natalie back to shore so many times on the dinghy at her request, um, just like because she trusted him and had a good relationship with him, and he knew that she wasn't comfortable going into the water alone. So he's like basically 
because of that, I don't believe that she would have gotten onto the dinghy herself. I think that Wagner had something to do with it. Yeah. Natalie's sister also goes on to say, I cannot imagine that he purposefully would have done anything to hurt Natalie. However, I know things happen when there's too much drinking and fighting, which makes me think, did they get into heated arguments often? And if they did, what would make her want to vouch for him in this way and like not leave the door open to him being a potential suspect? Yeah, no, I mean, like, just like how her daughter doesn't suspect it was him is just, I mean, beyond. Like, so I wonder if there's like, more to the story that we don't know. Like, why does her family rule him out, but the police have now decided not to? I mean, we could go at this for hours, but ultimately her death will remain mysterious until we have the hard answers that only those three men might have. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at the Chalkline Pod, Twitter at the Chalkline Pod, and be sure to check out our website. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story.